there a special place that you have in your heart, even though no one else would really think much of it? Like, do you have a place that just really means a lot to you, that's important to you, but somebody else, they may go past that place, they may walk right past it and not even give it a, a second glance, or they may look at that and think that that's eh, really not that special, but to you, like, it, it's a place of significance. Uh, I have one of those places. It's, uh, it's a mountain in New Hampshire. It's called Mount Monadnock. Uh, I think we have a couple of pictures up here. That's the, the top of Mount Monadnock. Mount Monad- the, the name Monadnock means the one who stands alone. When you get to the top of Mountain Monadnock, there is nothing else around. On a clear day, you can see, um, you can see the, the city line of Boston, even though it's over 60 miles away. It's a, it's a beautiful mountain. I, I love climbing it. Um, and, but there's nothing really special about Mount Monadnock, like it's not a part of the Appalachian Trail. It's set off of that. Um, it, it, its highest peak, like like the, the the summit, is only 3,100 feet, which for serious climbers they kind of laugh at. Like that's not really much of of a summit. Um, it can really be hiked uh, by almost anybody. It's the second most hiked mountain in the world, and so almost anyone can, can do it. And so there's really nothing too challenging about it. It can be hiked in about four hours. But even though there's nothing special about Mount Monadnock, to most people, this mountain holds a very dear place in my heart. When we first moved out to New England, it was the first mountain that I hiked, and those friends that I did it with uh, became some of my closest friends while we lived there. Um, after my mom passed away, uh, Mount Monadnock is where I went just for a little retreat to get away with the Lord and to seek Him and His peace and, and His healing. Um, Mount Monadnock is a, a place where I have connected with the Lord and with friends, but probably one of my favorite memories of Mount Monadnock uh, was when our youngest daughter, Nora, and I climbed it together. I think we have a, another picture of her and I there at the, at the summit. So I, I went and, and, I would, and I would hike and I would come back and I would show her some pictures. And she was three years old when we did this. And uh, she was looking at these pictures and she's like, Daddy, I want to do that. I'm like, uh, okay, okay, yeah, but maybe, maybe someday. She's like, no, Daddy, I want to I do that. And she just kept being insistent. I want to do that, Daddy. I want to go hike the mountain with you. And she even like learned how to pronounce Mount Monadnock, which was pretty impressive just in and of itself at three years old. And, and so I was like, okay, you know, we'll go. And even if we just have a road trip up to the mountain and then we turn around and we go back, then that's fine. We had a nice little daddy-daughter day. And if we get a quarter of the way into it and we turn around, that's fine. And that little girl, she ran all the way to the top of that mountain. And when we got to the end of it, she was running back to the car. And I'm like exhausted trying to keep up with her. And so now, like, I have that memory of that, that special time with my daughter. And every time you mention Mount Monadnock, just a big old smile comes across her face because she's like, yeah, me and my daddy did that. And so, like, this, this mountain, even though it might not mean much to anyone else, even though it's one of those that people are like, oh, yeah, I've done that, um, it means a lot to, to me because of what it represents. It's a place where I've intentionally connected with friends and with family and with my faith. It's a, it's a place where deeper relationships with friends and family and the Lord have been forged along those trails leading up to the summit. And I wonder if you have a place like that. A place that, that really might not mean a whole lot to anybody else, but to you it just really holds a special place in your heart. 
It represents something important to you. Maybe it's a place where you've connected with friends and family, a place where you've made special memories, a place where maybe the Lord showed up and did something pretty amazing in your life and you came away from it understanding his love and his grace to you in, in more of a special, deeper way. And today's scripture is about a lady named Lydia um, who is very intentional about creating these spaces, not just in her life, but also in the lives of others. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16 and hold it there. Acts chapter 16. We're in the, the sixth week of our series called Love Thy Neighbor. And over the last several weeks, we've talked about how our faith in the Lord should begin to transform how we act and interact with others. Like our faith in the Lord should be, should be evident and should be seen in the way that we love those around us, whether they be like in our direct proximity, like our neighbors or our coworkers, our friends, like they should be able to see the love of the Lord in us reflected in how we act and how we behave and, and how we love them. And so we've talked about things uh, like being present in the lives of others and not being distracted. Like there's a million things in our world today that want to distract us, that keep us from being present in the moment with other people. And so we talked about the importance of being present with others. We've talked about being helpful and serving those in need. We've talked about being interested in others and and learning more about our neighbors, what they you know, care about and what their joys are, what their hopes and their fears are. And, and today, as we continue this, we're going to be talking about what it means to, to intentionally create spaces where God can show up and move in our life and in the lives of others. Like intentionally creating these moments, these spaces where God can show up and move in the lives of others, intentionally creating spaces that might lead people one day to look back and say, you know, that place does not mean much to anyone else, but to me, it means a world. That family, they may not mean much to anybody else, but to me, man, God used them to do something in my life. And Lydia was a woman in Philippi who seemed to have a knack at creating these types of spaces for people. And this account that we're looking at today, uh, it actually starts back just a couple of verses from where we're going to be jumping into the, to the story. And Luke tells us in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 10, that, that Paul had a dream one night. It was a man standing at the banks of a river saying, come to Macedonia, pleading with him to come to Macedonia. And so he woke up the next morning. He, he shared that dream with his traveling companions. They took that as a sign from the Lord. We, we've got to go to Macedonia. And so they immediately packed up their stuff and they headed that way. And so we pick up the, uh, the story a few days into their travel. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 12. Luke says, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, 
a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, there are a couple of things to, to note of interest of Lydia's introduction. Um, the first is that Luke tells us that she is from Thyatira. And Thyatira, uh, this is important for a couple of reasons. Thyatira was about 250 miles from Philippi. And so we, we know from, from this that um, Lydia was living in a foreign land. Like she was kind of a stranger in a foreign land. Um, and according to the author, or to authors like in that day and what we know about that culture, Philippi did not have a synagogue. And so there was no like official place of prayer in, in Philippi, but there was one in Thyatira. And so probably what happened is that Lydia became, she was a Greek woman, became a worshiper of the Lord in Thyatira and then moved to Philippi. And there was not a synagogue or a place of prayer or worship in Philippi. And so when she couldn't find one, Lydia just kind of created her own. And she would gather these women down by the river and they would worship and they would pray. And so if that's the case, then this group of women that Lydia led down to the river to pray in Philippi were probably made up of women that she had brought to faith in the Lord in this foreign land. And what we see right off the bat is that Lydia is a spiritual leader. She's a spiritual leader. God was using her in mighty ways to reach people. Lydia was also a businesswoman. Luke says that she was a dealer in purple cloth. Purple cloth was very difficult to produce. You had to go through a a painstaking toil to be able to create purple dye. And so anything that was purple, whether it be cloth or dye, whatever it was, was typically rather expensive, was usually reserved for royalty. And so folks who dealt in purple cloth or purple dye, because of that, were probably um, pretty well-to-do, pretty wealthy. We see that Lydia... Was, was probably that. Um, her whole household, meaning she had multiple people living in her home, um, came to faith. And so she had a home not just to house them, but to also house these uh, travelers. And so Lydia was probably doing really well for herself. And there's no doubt that Lydia was influential in her community. But instead of leveraging her influence for her own personal gain, Lydia seems to have leveraged that influence intentionally to invest in people and to help them grow spiritually. So one day Lydia is sitting down by the river with these women and they are in prayer. And Paul and his companions started sharing the gospel with them. They started telling them the good news about Jesus, his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. And right there in the middle of this prayer service, God opens Lydia's heart and she becomes a follower of Jesus. And then she and her entire household get baptized. And what we see is that Lydia opened her heart through prayer to what God wanted to do. There was an openness because of prayer in Lydia's heart to what God wanted to to do. You know, when we think about prayer, a lot of times we think prayer is just that one-way conversation, right? We think of prayer as us talking to God, but, but prayer, especially 
in Judaism, prayer was, was more about listening to God than it was about talking to God. And so, so as these women were down by the banks and they were praying, there was probably a lot more openness and receptivity to God. What do you want to speak to us? And there was, God, this is what we want to speak to you. And so when Paul came and spoke the message of the gospel, their hearts were open to receive this message from the Lord through Paul and his companions. And so we see that prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer opens our hearts to what God wants to do in us and through us. And so so through the power of prayer, Lydia's heart was open to this message of Jesus. And she becomes, now don't miss this, because this is really cool. She becomes the very first follower of Jesus in all of Europe. How awesome is that? The very first follower of Jesus is this woman, Lydia, who is leading a women's prayer study down by the river. And I think what this speaks to us today is that prayer is a powerful thing if we unleash its power in our life. And so if you feel busy, if you feel stressed, if you feel distracted, if you feel like you are at a crossroads of your life and you don't really know what to do next, if you're wondering where God is and why he has not shown up to change your situation, why he has not done something, pray. And that doesn't mean that prayer is always going to change our situation, but a lot of times prayer changes us and it gives us the strength and the courage to continue to walk through whatever it is we're going through. And some of you may be thinking to yourself, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know what to do. And I want to tell you, you probably know how to pray. Like if you can say, God, speak to my heart. You, you just prayed. And then just sit and listen. Sit and listen. I want to teach you just this morning a little prayer technique that I use um, pretty regularly. It's called palms up, palms down, all right? Everybody want to practice this with me? Okay, stretch out, because some of you are, your eyes look a little heavy this morning, so let's wake up. I, I, I love this, this, this prayer, and, and again, there's, there's no right or wrong way to pray, okay? I'm just, I'm just giving you maybe a little tool that you can put in your pocket and pull out sometime if you want to practice this. And so what I do is I, I sit there and I kind of get comfortable, relax my shoulders, and I put my palms down on my lap. So everybody put your palms facing down on your lap. And while I'm in this position, it's just a physical reminder of God, these are the things I am laying down before you right now. These are the stresses, these are the concerns, these are the things that are causing me anxiety, these are the things that are on my heart. God, I am laying these down before you right now. And I just kind of spend some few moments in prayer that way. And then I flip my palms over, all right? So palms down, palms up. So put your palms up. And this is in a, you know, if you're, if you're standing like this or if you're sitting like this, this is in a receiving position. And this is, God, what what do you want me to receive from you now? God, I receive your peace. I receive your hope. I receive your presence. I receive your grace, mercy. Palms down, palms up. We lay our burdens and our cares down before the Lord, and we open up our arms, and we say, God, I want to be receptive to what you want to do. And, and, And Lydia wasn't using this prayer technique, and I hope that it's something that maybe you find beneficial in your life. It's certainly been beneficial in mine, but we see the same principles at place here in Lydia's life. She was praying with palms open, saying, God, 
I want to receive from you what you want me to receive. And so I am open to what you want to do in my life. And so she, she, she opens up her heart to the Lord. She receives the good news of the gospel. Her and her entire household are baptized because she had had that open heart through prayer. And then she's challenged to do something very vulnerable, and she opened up her home to this group of traveling missionaries. And while she's still wet from the baptismal waters, look at what Lydia says. She says, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. I don't miss this. Like there is the, the, the power of, of prayer. The, the power of prayer combined with an open heart to surrender to whatever the Lord wants to do. Even if it means opening up our home can be incredibly transforming, not only for you and for your family, but for others as well. The power of prayer and an open heart combined with the power of surrender and an open home can be incredibly powerful in your life and in the lives of others. If you take your open heart through the power of prayer and you combine it with opening your home to others, I'm telling you, God can take that and he can use that in powerful way in the lives of others. Lydia opens up her home to Paul and his traveling companions. And as they ministered out of Lydia's home, we read in the next following, in the next few verses, that, that they would go on and they would help a young lady escape the grips of demon possession and slavery. They would release her from that bondage that she lived in physically and spiritually. We, we read later on in Acts chapter 16 that they brought a prison guard and his family to faith. And through this, the Philippian church was launched. The first church plant. Lydia was the first follower of Jesus in all of Europe, and then she started the first church plant in all of Europe out of her home. And all of these people found a home in Lydia's home. And it's because she opened up her heart to the Lord, and then she opened up her home to others. And the question that I am left with from this passage is this, am I willing to intentionally open my home to others for the purpose of God? That's a convicting question. Am I willing to intentionally open up my home to others for the purpose of God? If you've been around for a little while, you've heard me talk about Bill and Linda Strickland. When I was in middle school, um, the Stricklands invited me over to their home, and all through the rest of high school, they would, almost on a daily basis, open up their home <laughs> to me in a way that forever changed my life. The, the love and the acceptance and the grace that they showed me um, it's something that God used to reveal Jesus to me. And when I think about Bill and Linda, it was their open heart to Jesus that led them to open their home to me. 
I'm telling you, there is nothing special about Bill and Linda's home. It, it was an old farmhouse that honestly was kind of in, in rough shape. Um, and it's one of those places I, I used to, I loved going over there, but I hated to spend the night because they had well water that smelled like eggs. And I knew I'd have to brush my teeth the next morning. <laughs> but their home was a refuge for me. I grew up in a home that was full of angst and felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time. But when I was in their home, it was a place of peace and safety and love. And God used their home to get my attention. I'm telling you, there are people in your life that God wants to use your home for the very same thing. He wants it to be a safe place. He wants it to be a place of refuge, a place where they can find the love and the hope of Jesus. God used Bill and Linda to open my heart to him because they intentionally opened their home to me. Imagine what the Lord could do through you when you view your home not as a place of solitude for you and your family, but when you view your home as a place and an opportunity to build relationships with others and to grow in Christ with them. When you intentionally use your home as the hands and the feet of Jesus. It's the reason why one of our values as a church is that we live like God owns everything. We recognize that when we open our hearts to Jesus through prayer and we intentionally hold the things that he has entrusted to us with those open hands, there is no telling what God can do in the lives of others when we use the things he has given us to bless others with them. We hold them loosely and we say, God, this is all yours. How do you want me to use it to bless others, including our home? Lydia modeled this for us by intentionally creating spaces inside of her home and out where people could connect with the Lord. And her life and her home became a blessing to so many. And it set the tone for the Philippian church that, that Paul would write to years later. He would say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm sure that as Paul writes these words, his mind drifts back to the riverbanks where God opens up the heart of a woman named Lydia who would go on to open up her home to this church in Philippi, which would open up all of Europe to the good news of Jesus. And it's when we offer up what we have to be used by the Lord that a legacy begins to be built up in us that lasts well beyond us. And so are you willing, are you willing to intentionally open your home to be used by God to make a difference in the lives of others? I imagine that years, years after Acts chapter 16 and Paul's encounter with Lydia, years after the church was launched, people would point to the side of the river where Lydia led a prayer group They'd point to her home where the Philippian church was launched. And, and while those places might not mean a single thing 
to anyone else. To those who had been saved through Jesus, they meant everything. To those who had come to faith in Jesus through Lydia's intentional openness and hospitality, those places meant the world because God used them to change their lives too. So here's my challenge to you as we close. Open up your heart and your home to someone this week. Can you do that? Open up your heart and your home to someone this week. Invite a friend or a neighbor over for dinner around your table. Invite a friend uh, or or a child's friend over to, to join you for dinner or to play games or to watch a movie. What you do is not as important as just doing it. The point is that you intentionally open up your heart and your home to someone this week and pray for the Lord to do what only he can do to open up their hearts to him. When you intentionally make yourself available to the Lord, there is no telling what he wants to do through you. And when you do that, you are simply mimicking your heavenly father who made himself available to you. Jesus came with intention to live a perfect life, to die the sinner's death that we deserve so that we could be set free and we could be given a fresh start. And now he invites us into the adventure of living on mission, living intentionally and opening up our lives, our hearts, and our homes to others to reflect that love and that grace that we've received in Christ. So will you do that? Will you open up your home? Would you open up your heart? to others this week. Just stand with me and I'll pray. God, thanks for your goodness to us and your love and your grace. And Lord, I pray that uh, we will fully understand the depth of that love and grace in our lives and the responsibility and the privilege that we have in making that known to others. God, thank you for all the things that you have blessed us with. And I pray, Lord, that we will hold those things with open hands, with open arms. And we'll ask, God, how do you want to use what you have entrusted to us to be a blessing to others, to show them your goodness and your grace? Father, thank you for the the people in our lives who are intentional about helping us find you. Thank you for the ways that you use them to open up our hearts to you and your message. And Lord, I pray that you will use us in that same way in someone else's life. And Father, for the person that's here this morning that maybe is looking for hope, maybe looking and wandering and they feel like uh, they are an alien living in a foreign land sometimes, God, I pray that they will be able to find a home in you. That as their heart is wild and running and chasing after everything. God, may they find a safe place. May they find refuge in you. And God, may they know that today they can find that because of Jesus. In his name, amen. If you have a decision that you want to make this morning, if you want to talk to somebody about your next steps of faith, if you just need someone to pray with you, we're going to sing one more time and we invite you to come on down. Um, You come as we sing. so
seated before we, before we leave today. A couple of things. Uh, don't forget, check out your bulletin to uh, see the good things that are going on around here. We're going to be adding a couple of more things over the next uh, week or so. Uh, th- this ju- is July. July has five Sundays in it this year. And uh, every fifth Sunday, we do a breakfast before church. And so mark that on your calendar. Invite some folks. Uh, we're going to be doing some breakfast casseroles and biscuits and gravy. And so if you have a breakfast casserole recipe, then you're like, oh no, mine's the best. Uh, we invite you to bring that and share that with everybody. Uh, I am looking forward to tasting and trying everybody's breakfast casserole. So come and join us for breakfast uh, on the, the last Sunday of the month uh, at nine o'clock is when we're going to get started. And if you want to help volunteer with that, uh, let me know. We, we need some more, more folks to help cook and serve and clean up and do all that. So uh, let me know if you'd be interested in that. Um, last, or I guess on, on Friday night, we had our pool party and we had an amazing turnout. We had over 200 people show up to come and swim with us. It was a lot of fun. Got to, uh, had an opportunity to meet a lot of your friends, a lot of your neighbors, folks that, that you guys brought. Thank you for those of you who invited people to come out and join us. It was a beautiful night and it was really a lot of fun. Uh, and I, my hope and my prayer is that it was just a good impression on the, the community. Um, so we had a really good time with that. If you're new with us this morning, uh, thanks for coming. I hope that you had a, a good morning. If you want to know more about Sherwood Oaks uh, Christian Church, Bedford, uh, we have a welcome desk just right out here in our lobby. We've got a free gift just as a way of saying thanks for coming and check us out. So be sure to stop by there on your way out this morning. Uh, also, if you want to talk to somebody more about just your next steps in faith, um, my name's Sean, and I would love to, to talk to you about that this morning. Before we go, uh, I want to invite Jennifer Armstrong to come on up here with me. Can you guys give Jennifer a hand? Over the last year and a half, Jennifer has been leading our children's ministry, and she told me a couple of weeks ago that because of family and other commitments, just a lot of things going on in life, um, she's going to be stepping down from that position. And so I just wanted to have an opportunity for all of us as a church to thank Jennifer and uh, everything that she's done for our children's ministry. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but when we transition from Saturday nights to Sunday mornings, um, our kids' ministry has nearly tripled. Right, like think about that, right? Like it's nearly tripled. And Jennifer went through so much. Yeah, we can praise God for that. That's pretty exciting. Jennifer did so much to get us ready for that transition to make sure that our classrooms were prepared to welcome new families, new children. They were safe. They had all the supplies that the teachers needed. And it has been quite a, a journey, and she's done a fantastic job. And so, Jennifer, thank you. We will miss you. Um, we, I told her the other day, um, we will replace her, but we can't replace her. <laughs> we will refill the position, but we can't replace Jennifer. And uh, so if you know 
anybody who might be interested in um, taking this position. I know that Jennifer and I would love to, to talk to you about that, but I just wanted to express our gratitude. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray over her and her family, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much uh, for Jennifer. Thank you for her leadership in our kids' ministry, for how you have used her to be a blessing, not just to the children, but also to the families. Thank you that she has helped us uh, live out that value of mentoring across generations with what she has done with our children. Um, I know my girls love her, and they love the, the ministry that she has created. And Father, I pray for her. Uh, thank you for her commitment to her husband, to her children, to her family, um, how you are using her to just shine as such a light uh, to them. I pray, Lord, that as she steps away from this position, that you will increase her influence in her family and her ability to serve and to love them. Uh, Father, I pray that as a church, we will always be about investing in that next generation and uh, seeing them come to know and to love Jesus. And I'm thankful for Jennifer leading the way in that. Um, Father, I pray that this morning, as we leave, we will go and be intentional about uh, just opening our hearts to be used by you and opening our homes to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.